From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you're smart enough to know you might need a gun, you're also smart enough to know you definitely need training. BFA has announced its 2022 training classes for ARs, snubby revolvers, defense on the street, low-light encounters, and more. And we'll talk about all of it on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek. Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Candy Petticord, BFA's training coordinator. Hi, Candy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dean. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm glad to have you back. I know that we talked to you last year about our events, and I'm glad to have you back uh, again. We want to go over some of the training that Buckeye Firearms Association is going to do this year and encourage people to sign up. You know, last year, I think attendance was just a little bit off. We were still dealing with, uh, you know, all those ammo problems. Things seem to be a little bit better now. We're running a lot of the same classes. So I'd really like to see more people sign up. I agree. Um, These are some amazing classes. They're offered literally in our backyard, and they're absolute bargains for the price that people pay for them. Um, Training can get to be quite expensive, but Buckeye is doing a phenomenal job of keeping outstanding training at a reasonable cost. So a lot of these classes are done by the East group. They do um, about 10 or 12 classes. And I just wanted you to describe the East group and what makes them so special. Well, in a nutshell, EAST is an acronym. It stands for Environmental Assessment and Solutions Training Group. And it was established by a group of professionals who had a specific mission in mind, and that was to assist individuals and organizations, in other words, groups and just common ordinary people like you and me, to uh, map out realistic training programs. In other words, Instead of going and shooting on the square range at a piece of paper in situations that didn't challenge shooters, East Group operates with the philosophy of, we're not training you to shoot a gun, we're we're training you to protect yourself and those you love. So they approach training from a very realistic, this could really happen, how would you handle it type mentality. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I I think that's really what's great about the training classes that we offer. A lot of classes are just you go to a range, like a retail store, and they might have a perfectly good class, but you're essentially standing there and shooting at targets. And that's fine to develop certain basic skills, but to develop real world skills, you really have to go a little beyond that, make it more realistic. So uh, let's just move some of, through some of these classes and talk about what the class is, when it is, 
and how people can sign up. And I think when you describe some of these classes, we'll, we'll see what you're really talking about here and why these are really real-world classes. So the first is on June 4th, and that's the Partner Tactics class. So describe that. The Partner Tactics class is actually one of my favorite classes. Um, the chief instructor's name is uh, Sylvester Postus, and he goes by Sly. Well, one of Sly's most favorite sayings is bullets are inbound. And he will say that in the middle of every training that he's doing, because when he thinks that people are forgetting the purpose of them being there, He's like, guy, you're not going to just stand there when bullets are inbound. That, that's why we train. We're training how to react if bullets are inbound. The wonderful thing about the partner tactics class is you have to consider that other person. A partner can be your spouse. It can be your friend. It can be your child. But if you're in a defensive situation, as long as you are not solo, then you need to engage certain tactics as partners. So number one, you can effectively defend yourselves and protect yourselves. And number two, so one person isn't getting in the way of the other good guy. Yeah. So in this class, and, I, and I've not attended this class, so is this uh, you have a partner and the partner is armed? Or what about situations where you're with someone and they're not armed? We actually go through a variety of scenarios. We go through where both are able-bodied adults who happen to be armed. Uh, we will go through where you have two able-bodied adults, but one is armed, one is not. We will go through scenarios where you have an armed defender and an elderly partner or a child, or even what do you do if that partner is a baby in your arms? That's still your partner. You still must consider them when responding to that threat. This is one of those classes where you really have to think, because if you go off and you're going rogue or you're being cowboy, you're running the strong possibility of leaving your partner out to dry. You know, that's really interesting that you say that. Uh, I've had conversations with people where they were talking about being like in a restaurant and someone comes in and they'll say, well, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I would ask them, no, wait a minute. Are you by yourself? Are you with your wife? Are you with your kids? Uh, I mean, it, are, are your tactics going to change? Because I've told people, look, if I'm somewhere by myself, there are certain things I may do. If my wife is with me, my priorities are completely different. My job is to protect her, to get her out of there. So the, the, what I do is going to depend on who I'm with. Absolutely. That, that describes it perfectly. Because like you said, your priorities shift very quickly from if you're in a situation by yourself, yeah, I can take this guy. Or if you have your wife with you, yeah, I can take him, but what about her? I have to worry about her first and foremost. And sometimes, believe it or not, the best response is to get the heck out of Dodge. And there's no shame in that. Yeah. And in fact, I, I tell my wife a lot, and she's not a big gun person, 
but uh, I, I worry about her because she goes to church. It's a big church. There are a lot of people there, and I'm always reminding her. You know, when I do go with her, like on the holidays, I'll sit down and I'll say, "Okay, where's the nearest exit?" You know, I'll say, or, or, "Do you care about what's in your purse?" Don't do that. Uh, you know, just just get up because I saw a video of that church shooting, if you remember, where oh, yeah. a guy came in and shot another guy, uh, pretty much point blank with a shotgun. And if you watch the whole video, you see a woman turn around, go backwards, grab her purse before she leaves. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I can't believe she did that. Yeah. But that, that is a natural response. You know, you want to go out the same way you came in. You want to take all your stuff with you. All of those things you've rehearsed without knowing it. And you're likely to do it in a crisis situation. And, you know, it's everything. Your, your mind just kind of goes where it's gone before. It doesn't all of a sudden come up with new stuff on the spot. This partner tactics class sounds really interesting. I, I hope people sign up for this because I think it's the kind of class that virtually nobody gets anywhere else. I would agree. Absolutely. If, if there's one class you want to take, especially if you're always with someone else, you're always with your husband, always with your kids, me and my son and daughter, Michael and Abby, we have attended this class a number of times because we're always together. And partner doesn't just mean two. When Michael, Abby, and I are out together, we all know we have our own roles. We have our own responsibilities. And if something goes south, we've already rehearsed what we're going to do. You are a good mama, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, thank you. So let's uh, let's move on talking about real world scenarios here. Vehicle fundamentals. This is the next class coming up on June 18, and this also is at East Group. Now this one's really interesting because if you think about it, there are three places that most of us spend virtually all of our time. You know, vacations and all of that excluded. You're at home, you're at work, or you're in your car. And I think a lot of people think about what might happen at home, they might think about what happens at work. But I wonder how many people think about what they're going to do if they're in or around their car. And that's what this class is all about, right? Absolutely. Most people, believe it or not, don't think about what they're going to do if they're caught in or around their car. And the majority of people think, I'm going to hide inside my car, which is actually the worst thing you can do. Because contrary to what you see on TV and in the movies, car doors do not block gunfire. They do not stop bullets. Are, are you sure? Are you sure? Because I've seen this <laughs> on TV so often that, you know, someone is behind a door and the bullets just zing, zing, zing. They bounce off that, that car door. Are you, are you sure? Well, the car door knows when it's a good guy who's being paid a lot of money. So the car door knows to protect that guy. But you and me, eh, not so much. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, uh, if you have an older car and you don't mind uh, banging it up a little bit, take apart one of your car doors. I've, I've done that before. I think, you know, it looks really thick. Take it apart and see what's actually there. There is very little in there that's going to stop anything. I think you could probably take a screwdriver and push it through a car door, let, mm -hmm. alone, let alone a bullet. It is not going to stop bullets. I was thinking, yeah, you take that apart, you're going to be surprised by how little is actually in that door. It's, it's kind of scary, actually. And that's one of the things you find out. The first thing you want to do 
is get out of that vehicle. You do not want to be trapped in a vehicle during a gunfight. You do not. Number one, and you will get the opportunity to do this in this class, the sound of gunfire inside a car, unprotected ears. Oh, my gosh. It. Oh, no, 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 no. You do not want to experience that. So you want to get out of that vehicle ASAP. Well, Candy, it occurs to me that if you're in a car, if people actually duck, I think you just said that that's usually what people do. They duck in the car. You are literally a sitting duck. Yes, you are. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. I would not want to be caught in a car. I mean, you're you're trapped. You know, you're trapped by your seatbelt. You're trapped by the door. You know, there's no way that you can escape getting shot. And, uh, you know, the TV shows, it's always amazing to me how bad a shot the bad guys are. But in real life, I think someone could fire at random, probably hit you inside a car. Um, I would agree. And if you don't move and move quickly, that car can very easily become your coffin. Well, I, I definitely suggest people sign up for that if you spend a lot of time in your car, even if it's just going to the grocery store. You know, you never know what's going to happen, where it's going to happen. And these are some really specialized tactics. You're not going to learn this in other classes. No, uh, you're th- not. Th- this no, this you're takes not. specialized training. Mm-hmm. So then on July 9th, our third class, Fighting in Structures, this is a kind of a golden oldie. We've done this for a long time. Now, when you're talking about structures, fighting in structures, I assume we're talking about home, work, you know, inside grocery stores, banks, whatever it is, we spend a lot of time inside. Yes, we do. And the fundamental basics that you will learn in this class apply anywhere and everywhere. They're awesome. You learn that, again, contrary to what you see on TV and in the movies, the last thing you want to do is run out into the middle of a room and start blasting away. It doesn't work that way. It's actually done slowly, methodically, and with a purpose. And once you learn these tactics, this is really cool because this is one you can actually bring home. I remember when Michael and Abby and I came back from this class the first time we did it, we were like totally scaring everybody in the house because we were dipping out around corners and we're like, okay, gotcha. (laughs) They were ready to get rid of us. So now, how do how do you train when, when you're taking these sort of things home? Are you using lasers, or, or you know, how is it that you translate this to your home when you're when you're training and going over these things that you learn? My kids and I are huge advocates of dry fire and dry fire practice. So we have a number of dry fire systems that we use, but our biggest system is when we go around the house, we literally have laser cartridges that we insert into our pistols and we will go around the house and we will have targets around the house and we engage those targets. And it is extremely realistic. It's extremely uh, skill building because a lot of people poo-poo dry firing because there's no bang. Well, I counter that with In order for you to dry fire properly, you must do everything that you would normally do when you're shooting properly. The only thing you're not doing is the bang. And guess what? 
you do all those foundational things before the bang ever happens. So why do you need the bang? <laughs> yeah. And that's, and you know, uh, of, of all the training I've done, working around in a structure, going through hallways, through doors, figuring out, you know, how to enter a room and all of that, that's, that's really exhausting. That You've got to practice that. It does not come instinctively. The things that you think are going to work don't work. Correct. Very correct. And you think, okay, I'm going to do this. Okay, I'm done. I, I, I've got this up until we say scenarios start. And all of that flies out the window and you're literally winging it. And you find out that winging that you're doing, probably not the best course of action. So that's another class that I think it's really important. Just given, given the amount of time that you spend at home or at work in inside buildings of various kinds. The next class is on July 23rd. And this one's sort of a follow-up to the kind of training you get when you get your concealed handgun license. It's called Streetwise Defensive Tactics. Now, would you agree that this is kind of like a step up after you have certain basic training? This is the next level. Correct. As an instructor myself, I see it time and time again that when people come to their CCW or CHL classes, they are literally coming with the expectation that they are going to be taught how to shoot a firearm. That is not the purpose or intent at all of your concealed carry class. Your concealed carry class, the intent is to teach you how to handle firearms safely, how to handle them legally, how to carry them safely, and how to store them safely. That is the intent of your CCW class. It is not to teach you how to shoot a gun. That being said, the majority of people leave their CCW training with a gun on their side, a piece of paper in their hand, and they feel like they know very little more than they did when they first walked in the door. That's where this class comes into play. We take you from that point of now I have this license. Let's teach you how to effectively carry that firearm and, if necessary, use that firearm to protect yourself. What are the different scenarios that you go through in this class? Because like a lot of the classes with East Group, everything is very practical, every very real world. So give me an example of some of the different scenarios that you go through. One of my favorites is you're walking out of a grocery store and all of a sudden you just hear this commotion, pop, pop, pop. What are you going to do? Are you going to stand there and freeze and try and figure out what's going on? Are you going to run away? Are you going to hide? What are you going to do? And during this class, you get presented with a variety of different scenarios that literally ask you, this just happened. What are you going to do? And all through the day, and it starts off slowly because I don't want people to be intimidated by that. We do start off slowly, but the longer the day goes, the more you start exercising that critical thinking. You start putting yourself in these situations while you're waiting for your turn to go up to bat, so to speak. You start running these scenarios through your mind. If I were there, what would I do? 
I have trained with a trainer by the name of Greg Ellifritz. And one of his favorite sayings is that the body cannot go where the mind has not been. And you even referenced that earlier. So this is one of those classes that allows you to put yourself in that situation, take your mind there. So if ever, heaven forbid, you need to engage this situation, your body will follow. So now I just want to emphasize here, we're talking about a lot of this training, and some of it sounds a little advanced, but most of these classes really are for ordinary shooters. I mean, you do not have to be uh, you know, a military expert or something to take some of these classes. They are designed for people who have basic gun handling skills to improve your, their skills, correct? Absolutely. And that's the beauty of training at East Group or doing any of the Buckeye classes. All skill levels are welcome from the brand spanking new beginner all the way up to the military veteran. There's something for everyone. And Sly and his crew are just so adept at adapting. They will always present the class on the level of the newest or least experienced shooter. However, they don't leave it there, which is so awesome. They help the shooter learn and grow and and expand their skill set. So when that shooter leaves, they may have come there a brand new shooter, but by the time they leave, they're feeling a lot more confident, a lot more sure of themselves, and a lot of them don't consider themselves brand new shooters anymore. You know, and you talked about confidence. I think that's really important. You mentioned Greg Elifritz. One of the things that he said in an article, and I, I thought this was fascinating, is that most people have never actually been in a physical confrontation. And the moment they are, their brain just kind of goes, you know, kerflui. They're not able to think straight. They might sometimes overreact. If you take this kind of training and you're confident in your abilities and you're confident that you're going to be able to think your way through some of these problems, you're a lot more likely to make good decisions, not just good decisions physically, but good decisions legally. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So another two classes coming up, and we've uh, been doing these for several years, and I'm just going to talk about them uh, all at the same time, Tactical Carbine, Phase 1 and Phase 2. So the first one is for anyone who has just acquired an AR or an AK platform, and they've really not done a whole lot of training with it. They're still learning, and that class is, you know, here's your firearm and here's how to operate it properly. And then the second phase is where you're going to take that to the next level. So so talk a little about about those classes, because they're kind of partner classes. One's on a Saturday, the other's on a Sunday, and this is August 6th and August 7th. You are correct about these being partner classes. We really like if you're going to take the first class that you take the second. And we also like if you take the second, please take the first. The reason being, the majority of the time on that first day is spent doing the simple act of zeroing your AR. Now, I've gone to this class a number of years in a row, and there seems to always be one of two extremes. We either get those people 
who have ARs, no ARs, love ARs, and they can blow the center out of a target at 100 yards. And on the opposite end of the spectrum is this person who bought that AR and it has literally been sitting in their gun safe ever since they bought it. They don't know anything about it, don't know how to use it, don't know, don't know anything. So it tends to make for a good mix when we come together for these two classes, because the more seasoned AR users, they get to, yeah, I I was zeroed in. Yeah, I've still got those skills. And sometimes they come in very handy helping the newbies get their AR zeroed in. It's, It's pretty fun. And then on the second day, after everyone's been a Uh, zeroed in again. We'll start off the morning making sure no one lost their zero. Then the remainder of the day is spent doing drills with your carbine. And the drills are so much fun. (laughs) They are a lot of fun. Uh, They can be challenging, which is what we want. However, um, we build you to where you need to be. As long as you're willing to try and to learn, these classes are awesome. And then coming up on August 20th, there's a class that probably has, it's, it has the, the best name of any of the classes that we do, Move or Die. I mean, that, that's about as uh, blunt as you can get, Move or Die. Yep, about as blunt and as accurate. I love Sly's use of the term, get off the X, meaning. If you are in a defensive situation, a confrontation, the last thing you want to do is stand where the confrontation began. You do not want to stay there. You must get off that X or you may die where you are standing. You've got to move. And then once you've moved, there are decisions you need to make. Are you moving to get to a better advantage point to engage this person? Are you moving and are you going to keep moving because you see an opportunity to get out of there? Are you moving to cover? Are you moving to concealment? Oh, my goodness. Is there a difference between cover and concealment? These are all things that you will learn during this class. And you basically learn, get off that X get your brain moving, get your body moving, and do what needs to be done to get home. You know, Candy, this is one of those classes that reminds us the problem that you have at most shooting ranges. Now, I understand people who run ranges, they can't have people moving all over the place. You're going to have accidents. So the rules tend to be, you know, get in your lane, stand there, shoot your target. Once you've used up your ammo, leave. And unfortunately, that trains people to just stand there and shoot. And I think that that's that's a bad thing because you do need to move and you almost never have the opportunity to do that. I agree with you. That that is a huge disadvantage. And I unfortunately, when I work RSO, I have to correct people on moving or wanting to draw from the holster or any of those realistic, real-life activities and skills that you do need to practice. But you can't practice them on an inside range. You can't practice them on a square range. And if you're practicing them at home and you're dry firing, 
That's fantastic, but we also need to get that live fire experience in there as well. This is one of those rare opportunities where not only are you encouraged to move and draw, you've got to. You've got to shoot and move. You've got to do what you need to do to get out of that situation. Now, Candy, you work at a firearms uh, retailer, and you have a shooting range there, correct? That is correct. I'm an instructor there as well. So at most ranges, I know that you can't draw. I mean, there are some where you can get special permission to do that. Um, I have a lifetime membership at an indoor range in the central Ohio area, and you cannot draw. It's just a safety issue. And I understand why you can't do that. But at most ranges, are you able to move at all? Like, could you stand on one side of the rain on your lane and maybe just have the gun low ready, you know, bring it up and, and fire two or three shots and maybe just take one step to your right or your left? Is that sort of thing usually allowed? That is allowed, but that is the extent. And typically, if a range safety officer notices too much movement in a stall, you will be on their radar. And we don't necessarily want that. You had mentioned at your range where uh, you cannot uh, draw from the holster. At the range where I work, we have a special holster hour, so it's called, that only people who have gone through the training at this particular range are allowed to come in and they are allowed to draw from the holster. But as the name states, it's only for an hour. It's only for a specific hour. And that hour is typically before the range opens. So we're talking about moving and coming up on September 10th, we're moving our way through all of these 10 classes that we have on the website Right now, there's a class on September 10th called Handgun Moving and Movers. Now, how does this compare to the Move or Die class? Two apples and oranges, actually. (laughs) Two different scenarios. And this is the one and probably only class that I would not recommend for a brand spanking new beginner shooter. You will learn and you will learn a lot but you will become quickly overwhelmed because this class, you're moving, your target is moving. There are times when both you and your target are moving and holster, um, drawing from the holster, moving and shooting. Those are skills that are strongly emphasized in this class and beginner shooters tend to don't have those skills yet. So the, and, and if you notice on the website, it even says it's an advanced applications clinic. So again, this will be the only class that we offer that I would not necessarily recommend for a beginner shooter. However, it is a extremely useful skill set. So if you have already mastered drawing from the holster and doing a little bit of moving and shooting, challenge yourself. Come on out and take advantage of this class. Andrew Bluebaugh teaches it, and Andrew is amazing. One of the most patient men I've ever met. He has put up with me year after year, and it's just an amazing class. And all of these classes are on outdoor ranges, correct? That is correct. 
So that that's a big advantage. You know, we're talking about these indoor ranges. Sometimes you can have a class and you, you, know, you go into the main area, you go beyond where the line is typically, and you can move around a little bit, but you're still usually pretty confined when you're indoors. And so outdoors, outdoor ranges really just give you so many more options. And I know that the first time I ever took a class like that was down at Tactical Defense Institute. And it was just astonishing being able to move and shoot and the difference between that and just standing there and putting holes in paper. I mean, it was it was challenging, but it was fun. And I think I just smiled all day long because I just never had that kind of experience before. And I think that's one of the reasons why when the foundation does the blast fundraiser event, so many people sign up. I mean, it sells out sometimes in hours because you have that kind of opportunity to do a lot of the things that we're doing in this class, but you get to do it like all in one day. So that yes. that's a that's a pretty cool event. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. Anytime you're shooting on steel, oh, I am there. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have two final classes, one on September 17th, and this is Bucky Buchanan's Snubby Revolver Workshop. Now, Candy, we we had to cancel this class last year. And again, it was, you know, 2020, 2021 were rough years for a lot of reasons. And we did not hold this class last year, but we're going to try it again this year. And this one's specifically for snubby revolvers. A lot of people carry small revolvers, a lot more than what you'd think. And so how is this class different from an ordinary concealed handgun class? This class is different because... The snubby revolver in and of itself is a totally different animal. There are some people who have the mistaken notion that because it is this cute little, quote, snubby firearm, that it's it's the perfect pop pocket pistol and they'll be able to just whip it out and do what they need to do. Well, yeah, it is the perfect pocket pistol. And yes, you can whip it out. But snubby revolvers they're nothing to be played around with and you best know what you're doing if you're going to be pulling one of those out they do not handle like regular size revolvers they have a lot more recoil if you're thinking about even remotely using any kind of sights on that puppy you can forget it the smaller revolvers tend to have horrible sights So you learn very quickly, you're not going to be doing 15, 20, 25 yards with the snubby revolver. However, you're not going to be fumbling around in your pocket trying to find it either. You learn that if you're going to use this firearm, you're going to use it, you're going to use it quickly, and you're going to use it effectively. That's what you're going to get from this workshop. And I've got to say, normally I carry a semi-auto, but I really like revolvers. I've, I've always liked revolvers. They're, it's just something about all the, the steel, how solid it is, how simple it is. Um, and on some level, people generally know how a revolver works to a degree that they don't know how semi-autos work. I remember the first firearms class I ever took, and I understood instinctively how the revolver worked. I did not understand instinctively how the semi-auto worked. So for a lot of people, and it's a personal choice, a snubby or some kind of a revolver is a good choice for self-defense. I would agree. It's, it's a good, viable option for a lot of people. 
And when I'm teaching my classes, I will tell people all the time, there is a reason that law enforcement officers carry snubby revolvers as their backups because revolvers rarely fail to go bang. We all know that semi-autos can be persnickety. It's too hot, it's too cold, it's too dry, it's too dirty, wrong ammo, wrong, there's too many clouds in the sky, whatever. A snubby is like, point me at it and pull that trigger, man. We're gone. I love that. So one final class, and it's on November 5th, and this is our low-light self-defense class. Now, Candy, last year we talked about this. I'm going to repeat what I said. I think that some people are a little intimidated by this class. Number one, it happens uh, in the evening. It starts at 1 o'clock, but it goes into the evening, into the darker hours, and you're having to handle a flashlight in addition to a firearm. I think most people understand why that's important, but I think that some people are just a little bit intimidated by going to a class where you're doing this. I would agree. Funny story. I am a chapter facilitator for a women's shooting league called A Girl and a Gun. And I challenged my ladies to come out and take this class. This was one of the classes that I challenged my ladies to take. I believe I had four of my ladies, maybe it was five, uh, take up, take me up on this opportunity. And they came out and all of them, except one, there was one who was a really, really good shooter. She was a good shooter when she got there, but the rest of them, brand new shooters. And they, they learned and they evolved and they just got better and better and better the longer the day went on. Well, as it says, this is a low light class. This is the only class that doesn't start early in the morning. It actually starts at one o'clock in the evening. So we can use the cover of darkness as the backdrop for the class. Well, out at East Group, when the sun goes down, so does the temperature. (laughs) So they were out there and they were shooting on the line and they shot amazingly well. They were so good. And I asked them, I'm like, ladies, when you first got here, you were just mediocre and now you're blowing holes in the center of the target. What changed? And one of them said, (laughs) it got got so cold out here. The only way to stay warm is to shoot. So I'm shooting accurately and I'm just all over that target and it's keeping me warm. So it was a fun class. They absolutely loved it. Again, like you said, you learned skills dealing with using a firearm and a flashlight. You learn, is there a difference between holding a flashlight or having a weapon mounted light? Why one may be better than the other? And it's just a real lot of fun. And you really haven't lived until you have seen an AK shooting in pitch darkness. (laughs) Well, so we have 10 classes These all sound fantastic. I hope that uh, if you're listening to this, that you're going to go to our website, take a look, and sign up for one or two of these. If you want to do that, or you just want more information, because we describe these classes completely on everything that's going to be involved, what you're going to need, 
what it costs, and everything else, just go to BuckeyeFirearms.org, click on the events link, and then click on whatever class you're interested in, and you'll be taken to a page for that particular class that gives you a complete description. If you subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, it's listed in there as well. And don't forget, if you're a member of BFA, you can get $10 off any of these classes. And if you're not a member, well, it's time to become one. Go to joinbfa.org, sign up, and we have a special code so that you can sign up for as many of these classes as you want. Get $10 off on any of them. Candy, thanks a lot for spending time with us. I'm looking forward to the training season getting started. One final question. I'm going to put you on the spot. We talked about maybe adding a couple of additional classes, more for beginners. Uh, Where are we on that? Do you think we're going to have maybe a a ladies class or maybe uh, a CCW type class, something really basic? Yes and yes. We're going to have both training women and children around firearms is my forte. So we are definitely looking at a CCW class uh, for ladies only. We are also potentially looking at a home firearm safety course. And we're just looking for a basic, you know what, I'm not quite ready for my CCW, but I need to learn how to use a firearm, how to handle it safely. So we may be looking at doing one of those as well. And I just want to mention, if you're following all the work that Buckeye Firearms Association does, you know, we're getting pretty close to passing constitutional carry, which means you won't necessarily need a license to carry in the state of Ohio. That does not mean you don't need training. We don't We don't believe in mandated training, but we sure do believe in optional training. If, you know, signing up for any of these classes or these two new classes that Candy's talking about, train, train, train. As much training as you can get, the, the more confidence you'll build, the more skill you'll build, and... Uh, you can stay on the right side of the law if you make the right decisions. Correct. Absolutely. So, Candy, thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Dean. Have a great day. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.